Welcome to Mandatory Happy, a podcast exploring the highs, lows, and horrors of romantic movies through the ages. I'm Ray. And I'm Renee. And this week we're discussing high fidelity, where two people fall in love, whether they like it or not. Yes, high fidelity. Okay. And they didn't. They didn't like it this time, they d- I don't feel like. quite open about <laughs> not liking it. Um, well, just being resigned to it. They were as resigned to it as, you know, we are every week when we pick these movies. Um, but, yes. but yes, okay, so High Fidelity uh, is a movie from 2000, which I'm quite surprised by, because when I was watching it, it felt hella like 1997, 98. It did. It did. I feel like, but also that might have had something to do with John Cusack's haircut. Oh, don't even get me started. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> quick summary. Uh, John Cusack plays Rob, who is a record store owner, um, he is very Morrissey about his life in terms of relationships. He thinks that women have wronged him his entire life and he's just been left by his girlfriend, Laura, um, who is having some kind of affair with the hippie upstairs, but that's uh, whatever. Um, and, uh, Rob works in his record store with, uh, Barry, who is played by Jack Black, uh, who's very obnoxious, and um, a guy mm-hmm. named Dick, who's like meek and nerdy and whatever. So basically, the movie is just Rob exploring his previous relationships, mostly within the context of top fives, because they have top fives for everything in their lives movies, music, blah, 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 blah. And um, oh, that's about it. Yeah, so, so the first thing I feel like, you know, you have to be like upfront. Or, or not you. I hope that you are, though. We have to be up front in, in this podcast and, like, like where our um, difficulties are going to lie in being objective. Um, <clears throat> that actually reminds me of something I'm going to tell you in the pre-show meeting. I'm going to cut this part. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so, to be up front. Um, this, this movie came out when I was, like, I was in high school. Okay. And I related to it very deeply because, and I still believe this, I do think that what you like matters sometimes more than what you are like. Because I think what you like has a lot to do with who you are. Well, that's true. I had that, that line really gave me pause because I was like, I have really structured most of my communities and my friendships around music scenes or Mm -hmm. skateboarding early on so it's like and I still have both of those communities like very specific punk rock community very specific skateboarding community because those two things overlap and um I feel it's less that as you get older because it's less important those things are less sort of pivotal as you get older um and I say that even working as like a pop culture journalist and occasional music journalist still it's yeah sure what you like is important but you also aren't going to hang around with dick bags just because right. they like the same bands as you and I feel like this movie uses what you like is more important than what you are like as an excuse for dickishness because it's like they, they say that like that's the reason they have Barry around because Barry is annoying and he's a dick well okay so two things First, I do, I agree that it's less important as you get older, except that, and I've said this, and I've had people look at me like I'm crazy, but I, like, 
so my husband and I don't have like everything in common. We we diverge on movies and music in a lot of ways. But we are close enough in our taste that like we never have to fight over the remote control. Right. We never have to fight over what music is being played in the car. And like I've been so spoiled by that that I can't imagine being like living in a house and being in a relationship with somebody romantically where that was a thing. Like I see my parents fight over the remote and not fight, like not, you know, not like screaming and yelling and like, I'm leaving because you want to watch Deadliest Catch, but just like having tension over it. And I'm just like, I could never live that way. I could never live that way. I mean, I was going to say to you before you gave (laughs) your parents as an example, I was going to say, well, I don't think anyone does. I think people tend to marry people who have the same interests as them because that's what you bond over surely otherwise why you but no I I know a lot of people who like oh well perfect example we're we're doing romantic comedies right how many people do you know maybe you don't know any but I know a lot of people who like they go see these movies with their girlfriends they have like they have to quote drag their husbands to go see him with them. They have to, or their husbands have to drag them to see something else. Or like their husbands get the guys together to watch football, and all the wives go hang out in the kitchen to talk about something else. Like, and that's not to say you can't have different interests in your partner. I'm sorry, Renee. Are you living inside a romantic comedy? Because <laughs> that sounds that arrangement. But I am. I'm living in a typical of what we would see in these movies that we watch. But I am though, because I'm. I live in the suburbs. I live in, you know, <laughs> and it is like that. Well, one of my questions was going to be, why can't they go see the movie on their own? That's one that's well, and see, and that's my mind the thing. right now. I, but. But when you're sitting at home and one of you wants to watch, this is the one that I find common in my my experience. Like somebody wants to watch The Bachelorette and the husband wants to watch literally anything else or whatever. And they have to argue about it. And that's just like, that's never going to be a thing that happens in my house. Right. You know? Right. And like, right. and while I believe that these people are happily married or happily in their domestic partnership or however they refer to their committed relationship, I just feel like I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. There's so many things to suffer through in life. Like, why why be like, no, I don't want to TiVo. Oh, my God, I said TiVo like it is 1997. (laughs) But you know what I mean? I couldn't do it. And I couldn't be in the car, like, slapping the hand hand away. Like, uh, it just sucks. Like, I, I like being around people that aren't, that don't diverge that much for me. I couldn't, I just couldn't live with somebody. I want to put on, uh, like, I want to listen to Elvis today. And they're like, I couldn't. Well, I think the, the, the main relationship in the movie between Rob and Laura, it's quite clear, you know, they met at a club, they had the same taste in music and she has just grown up a bit more than he has. And his world still revolves around music and hers. She, she has other things going on. Okay. So clearly Laura and Rob, at a certain point, we're on the same page. They met when he was DJing. Uh, she she says, "I love this track you're playing," and it was by the Chemical Brothers, by the way. And this this that that scene reminded me that I do have a weird thing about the Chemical Brothers still. Um, anyway, <laughs> divergence. Uh, so they they were on the same page, but now she's like become professional, and his life still revolves around music, and he's not really become a grown up to the degree that he should have by now. 
Um, so I don't think that it's they don't have things in common. I think they're just at different stages in their life. Oh no, yeah, no, I agree with you. But I just mean in general, like that that idea, like that's one of the things that people often use to point out, like why Rob is an asshole. And don't get me wrong, he's totally an asshole. But I don't feel like that's one of the reasons why. I feel like that's just a thing, like, that is a line that some people draw. I draw it. I don't think it makes me a bitch. There's a lot of guys that uh, that I wouldn't date because they have crappy taste in music. Oh, fully. But, you know, yeah, they, absolutely. I totally saved them having to listen to my good music yeah. that they were going to dislike. Yeah. So it's whatever. Really, how are you going <laughs> to do a road um, trip ever in, under those circumstances? You couldn't. There's exactly. Really no point in even starting. Um, so this seems like a good point. I, I know that in keeping with the movie, the themes of the top fives, you um, have gone to the trouble of creating one of those for us this evening. About I have. this movie and I would love to hear it. We are probably going to have to go back and discuss some of these in more detail. Okay. Because cause at least one of them is extremely nuanced. Um, but top five reasons why this relationship is toxic. <laughs> Number one, they have no respect for each other's boundaries. Number two, both of them spent large periods of time in their relationship looking for other relationships. Yeah. Three, there's emotional dishonesty. Rob can't say that he is unhappy even when she brought it up. And she can't trust him to tell him that she is pregnant or that she had an abortion. Right. Until she literally can't keep that emotion to herself anymore. Number four, using sex to escape uncomfortable feelings. Number five, being completely clear that the relationship hinges on both of them being willing to settle. And the bonus, number six, Laura complains that he doesn't grow up. But when he takes steps to further his career and like have aspiration she completely takes it over without telling him and then makes it all about who he was when they met Mm. okay one thing that just struck me as you were reading those out so succinctly is that I think maybe all of the communication things and the not being direct about stuff that might be born out of the fact that this is this movie was based on a Nick Hornby novel, and Nick Hornby is obviously very very English, and there's a lot of weird yes repressed emotions in all of his characters because British people repress their emotions, um, so it might be that maybe the translation into an American cast just made this make them seem even more dysfunctional. Does that make sense? It does make sense because I think that they both come across a little bit better in the book. Yeah. But the thing I will say, so I I said to you this before, I said to you this. (laughs) (laughs) Say to me this today. This is what happens when I don't drink when we record. (laughs) I can't can't speak. I said this before we started recording that um, I have gone through phases with this movie. Right? So phase one yes. was like the first five to nine times I saw it. Just really liking it and being there for the mm-hmm. ride because I relate to Rob a lot. And I think that there's a lot mm-hmm. about his character that, as big an asshole as he is and as dysfunctional as he is, is relatable in the context of going through a breakup. Right. Because people are like generally a total disaster when they're going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. And then the second phase was seeing it 
um, for the first time in years, a couple years ago, and just realizing how awful both of them are to each other and how unhappy the ending actually is and being so angry that I had fallen for it Ah. the first several times I saw the movie and then yesterday watching it, realizing that the movie is totally self-aware of that and I had managed to miss that the first, like, probably ten times I saw it because the first several times I was enamored with, like, a character I related to and then I caught the thing and I was too angry to see that it was self-aware and this time I was being analytical and I was like oh the movie totally gets it (laughs) well here's the thing when when I first saw this movie I loved it because it was a movie about music nerds and I'm a music nerd and I loved their list thing because I'm a list person I'm I'm somebody who's always Mm -hmm. done that I still have lists in my head that have been there for years um about albums and singles and vocalists and whatever like I am that aggravating human so it was just nice seeing that you know I felt represented by this movie because it was nerds but without really thinking at the time how screwed up it is that it's like only men like music in this movie and they're like uh, women are kind of interested but they need to have it mansplained to them a fair amount you know like Dick's new girlfriend has to be told who Stiff Little Fingers is it's like oh come on now um so yeah, the, it's basically I ignored a lot of the more problematic um, things. I did, however, even when I first saw it, get to that point at the end of the movie where they both just settle for each other. You know, she says, you know, I'm too tired not to be with you. And he says, you know, I'm tired of the fantasy of other women because it's just a fantasy and I'd rather be with you. Like they're both tired. That's why they end up together. And at the t- at the first time I saw it, it seemed really bleak, but it kind of made sense. And you're like, oh, this is, it seemed fine, you know, it's fine. But I did notice at the time, I was like, well, this is a bit dark. Um, I feel like when I saw it as, uh, I'm not going to say how old I was, I don't want to, as a teenager though, my late teens, I saw that whole bit as like, I, I, I like I heard what I wanted to hear I feel like and in discussions I've had with people who really love this movie I think a lot of people do which is like when she's saying how tired she is that it's like a lot of people hear her saying I'm grieving and I'm emotionally vulnerable and you're who I want to be with me when I am in this place right and when he's saying the fantasy is never good like it never lasts a lot of people hear him saying I want the real thing not the fantasy. Right. But in reality, what they're both saying is, I'd rather settle for you than put the work into anything yeah, else. Yeah, I'm exhausted and we're already this far through and let's just make it work. Let's just keep it going. Um, and obviously there's there's love between them. Um, but it's not... I mean, I actually... One of the elements I like about this movie is that there isn't some big, dramatic, cheesy, sweeping, romantic reunion at the end. It's just two people realising wait, no, we could actually probably make this work and we're just really too tired to even try and start with anyone else, so let's just do it. Like, I actually quite like the the realism of that. But I did note that she does make a romantic gesture. She does the big romantic gesture that is usually reserved for men because she gets Barry's band to sing the song they decide in, uh, in their, like shortly after they're getting back together is quote their song Mm -hmm. 
because she booked like because like I said she did this whole thing behind his back he had no idea so she got them to perform this song even though that's not the music they did which by the way can we talk about what a disaster that party actually would have <gasps> been thank you oh my god okay wait like I have to find my notes for this because I as I was watching it, I was like how have I never ever noticed this before this party doesn't make any sense it's like okay first this is this is this was my jumping off point Barry in the record store has had a sign on the wall forever advertising the fact that he wants to be in a band. The first band he lists on that poster is GBH, right? How do you right. end up a GBH poster and ending up in a soul covers band? That's my first issue. Right. right? That's so he's doing, that didn't happen. <laughs> he's doing the soul cover at a party for an experimental post-punk band. And also, she's arranged it so that this the idea that she had was like a dance party for old people. So why are you also using the dance party for old people to be this CD release party for two kids who are underage, yes. have no, whose music has nothing to do with any of this? And also, <sighs> yes. the other thing that it's kind of glossed over, that band that everyone's like, oh my God, the skate punks, they made this amazing record, is horrendous and you know it's horrendous and it's kind of played low the whole time but I'm like could somebody have not found like a scrappy little post-punk band and used one of their tracks because the stuff that they are actually using on the movie is horrendous and certainly a bunch of music nerds wouldn't <laughs> rush rush out and be like I need to put out this record for you like it would never fucking happen so that was yeah the, the party at the end zero sense absolute zero sense but it made it makes me so mad that she did it at all. And then she negs him when he confronts her about it. <laughs> because she he's like, no, like, we can't even get it done by then. Like, the single won't be ready. And she's like, oh, well, with the power of me taking over, anything is possible. Um, yeah. And he's like, I don't want Barry's band to play. Because he has every right to not want to hang out with Barry away from work. Like there's that whole bit in the beginning where he says like, I like basically he doesn't even like them, but he can't get yeah. rid of them. Right. And, and then she does it all this behind his back and it, then it makes no sense. It's not, it makes a no sense. CD release but there's a party. couple of things in this where the, like, as I said, the reason I liked this when it first came out is because I felt represented as a music nerd, but there are some things in this movie that music nerds would absolutely never in a million years do. One of them at one point in the movie, uh, Rob, Dick and Barry all go and see Maria, La Maria LaSalle. That's her name, right? Marie 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 LaSalle. Who's like a, who's like, she's an up and coming um, singer. And afterwards they get her to sign things. Okay. No, no, no. Like that's not a thing. Like it's, it uh, would never happen. Like true. Oh, I didn't even notice that. True music nerds don't go get things signed afterwards. Unless it's like your absolute hero or something that's going to make you money at some point. You don't debase yourself and do that. You just don't. So that, that <laughs> I love the way you phrase that. You don't debase yourself. I, I consider it really debased. It's not cool. It's not cool. And they, they you know, it's they're shown as being judgy towards nerds coming into the record store. And that was kind of weird too, because it's like, well, you're all nerds as well. How are you differentiating? I liked that Lewis called them out when he's like, oh, I'll buy that record. And they're like, sure. And he's like, yeah. okay, wait, why? 
me and not that guy. Yeah. So they're presented as being really nerdy, but like not as nerdy as this other. Like it didn't make any sense to me. And also the one thing... I I will say, actually, that makes perfect sense to me. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is that Rob allows it. Because uh, he does have bills to pay, right? Yeah. But it makes sense to me that two super insecure nerdy guys would absolutely take the opportunity to make themselves feel superior to someone else at any chance that they had. Oh, that's a really good point, actually. I was thinking of this in terms of like punk rock communities where everyone is welcome and that's the whole point of it. But in the outer music world, you, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I was looking at that too closely to home, I think. <laughs> We're both a little close to this movie for, yeah. for this podcast this week. Um, I also can, while we're talking about Laura basically being in the midst of this deep grief and that's why she gets back with Rob, her deep grief where she's wailing and her whole family is worried about how hard she's taking it literally evaporates a day later. Right. Because they get back together and they immediately launch into everything's perfect and there's like a montage of them like running around laughing and going out for dinner and having a lovely time and bouncing on the bed and it's like, hang on a second. Wasn't she grieving five minutes ago? Grief takes... its Grief is debilitating. If you were wailing in the church yesterday, you're not out eating ice cream with him the next day. Like, nothing just happened. That pissed me off. It also made me super mad, okay? Uh, this goes back to them having no respect for each other's boundaries. But um, she she calls him and she asks him to come to the funeral for her mom. And he asks her if that's okay with her because he has actually been trying to kind of figure out what the fuck is wrong with himself throughout the movie, mm-hmm. right? And this is like the one nice thing. This is the one thing that he does that you're like, yes, Rob, that is who you should be. You should be the guy who asks the woman how she feels about it. And she's just super shitty to him about it. It's like, but you asked him. And now you're acting like he's imposing on you by asking you like it's so weird <laughs> you just be like yeah oh 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 another like let's talk about laura's weird weirder moments as well she's not she's not a peach either we've complained about rob you know being grumpy and unreasonable but laura um does and i can't believe this has never occurred to me before after her father's funeral she drives him to a place where her father used to take her and her sister when yes. they were kids and immediately has sex with him in the car. Like, yes. you don't go to the spot you used to go to with your dead father and then bone your boyfriend in the car. Like, what was, like... And she says oh my flat God. out that she... It's not like, I want to have sex with you. It's like, I... She says, have sex with me so I don't have to feel this way anymore. And then she, like, she says that, like, it's either this or grievous bodily harm. Like, she, it's such a weird, if a, if the gender roles on that were reversed, it would have been the skeeviest scene in the history of film. But because it's a woman and a man, I it's actually, like. I actually, I disagree. I actually disagree on that front. Because I think. It, oh. I am deeply familiar with that sensation where you just want to feel something other than grief um and i don't i didn't it's not like she's forcing himself on her and even if you reverse the roles if the girl has been chasing the guy in the same way that rob has been chasing laura 
and begging her to come back to him. But that's why I don't... I think that's why I don't like it. Is because... It's like, it's in the context of everything. Is because she... There's a point where he's like, we can't just do this on your terms. Because, like, for a while, he's being a creepy stalker. And that ends. And then she starts doing this thing, like, where she's like... She... Like ambushes him after work and then gets him in the car and drives him to his apartment and then they go in and he wants to talk to her because she's there. She's making herself available. And as soon as he starts talking to her, she's like, can you just leave? And he's like, out of my own house? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And and things like that happen over and over and over again. And then again on her terms, because he has been chasing after her and now she has a need for him. She calls him and gets him to come and she leans on him and she cries on his shoulder and then like basically uses him. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if if the context had been slightly different outside of the funeral, I don't feel like it would have bothered me, but it, it felt like, oh, good old Rob, I know I can always count on him when I feel like I want to deal with him. I agree. Um, I also, I think, I think we can just agree that this is probably the most fucked up ending of any romantic movie that we're going to watch ever again. Yeah, it's like, so toxic. It's, it's so it's toxic in so many ways. It's toxic, dead stuff. Uh, oh, settling, tired. Yeah, no, it's all bad, all bad. But um, yeah. Okay, so um. Uh, Let's get a little bit positive, okay? So clearly okay. <laughs> we have both had different relationships with this. When this movie came on, like the for the opening song is really well chosen and the very first line of the movie is I think one of the best opening lines of a movie ever, which is what came first, the musical the misery. I yes. love that line. I wrote that down too cuz I I always like well, I don't say that, but John says that to me. Because when I feel sad, I listen to really depressing music. It actually makes me feel better. I, it depends with me. It depends. I mean, the, the problem that I have is that sometimes you think, I'm not going to be able to function today. Like, if I'm sad about something, if you put a sad record on it, it's going to get so much worse, and then it's going to turn into a whole thing. But at the same time, if I decide that I'm going to put on a mineral record, for example, I, I'm going to be sad in 10 minutes and it's going to be the fault of the album. I mean, um, I, I, I guess it's like, for me, it's kind of a weird combination of both. So if I'm... It is a, it is a weird combination of both, but that's the joy of that question. Right. Like it's a conundrum that you can't really ever answer, but it's brilliant. Because I did, I did have, I went through, and this is so funny, but it's absolutely true. I went through six months straight of listening to basically absolutely nothing but Joy Division, except in the car with my husband, who was like, I cannot, like, I just can't listen to, <laughs> to this for another hour. And then I hit a day where Probably I was like, <laughs> where I was like, I need to listen to something else. But because I am who I am, it, I, I put on the Smiths. There you go. So that's the spirit. That's the spirit. It's like I just need something a little lighter, not as depressing. How about 
Yes, I mean, yes. I do routinely listen to very, very depressing Jawbreaker songs just in the course of my everyday life because they're my favourite band of all time. They're number one on the top five list. Um, and they routinely, they come on, but I'm so intertwined with those that I really don't know which came first. I feel like I maybe have... Those songs used to make me sad because they're sad songs and now I just identify with them so much yeah. because... I've been listening to them for 20 years and a lot of things have happened in those 20 years. Um, I can routinely just listen to that in my everyday life and it, it just bounces off me. So I understand the, if you listen to Joy Division for six months, it's not going to have the same misery impact as if you only do it once a year. Right. And I definitely do it way more than once a year, <laughs> but not for six months straight. I'm usually, sure <laughs> usually I'll like mix it up a little bit, but um, so, you know, on that front, this does have a great soundtrack. It um, does. Love of My Life, Bruce Springsteen makes an appearance, which, you know, obviously the movie automatically gets a pass from me because the boss is in it. There you go. But Bruce, but um, I made a note use, about that. They the, use the river. Bruce gave him really bad which advice. Is one of his... I can't remember what the advice was because all I wrote down was Bruce. That's bad advice. <laughs> It's bad advice, but it's happening from within the realms of jo uh, Rob's own brain. And right. That's why <laughs> the boss is just telling him what he wants to hear. It's terrible advice. Yeah. But, um, oh, the advice was sure, yeah, go look up all of the ex girlfriends that broke oh, your heart. Yes. Cause this is going to make you feel much better. That's what the advice was. I know we're focusing on positives, but because cause you brought up, I really wanted to talk about this. That is the most problematic asp aspect of the entire movie to me. I agree. I hate that. I hate when people do that. I agree. I like, oh, I read this article that Ashton Kutcher did that when him and Demi Moore split. Oh, no. He he went like the most ridiculous, pretentious thing, but he like went and hiked barefoot to this mountain with no food and stayed there and wrote letters to every <sighs> ex-girlfriend. And then he actually mailed the letters to these women. And I'm like, no, you burn the letters. Thanks for projecting. Yes, you're supposed to write it down, get it out, and never mail them. You son of a bitch. And like, and it's that thing of like, you know, I had a friend this actually happened to. Like, the guy who used to bully her all through school pops up out of nowhere on Facebook and just wants to apologize. Oh, and it God. fucking wrecked her for a week. It didn't yeah. do anything for her. It was totally... Yeah. 100% for that guy who by the way was only apologizing because now he's fat and he understands like how hard it is oh to be fat my God. yeah and it always is wow. though because even when he Rob is sitting with that girl that he broke up with because she wouldn't have sex with him and she tells him how badly that screwed her up and how it sent her into this really awful mental state that led to basically a sexual assault she says it wasn't mm -hmm. right but like by today's standards. It fully, yeah. Yeah. And and his takeaway is, oh, yeah, I did Yay. break up with her. It's, yeah, she didn't leave me for another guy. I broke up with her. And it's like, you, like, this is why it's not a good idea to do that. Every but single also, time. Basically, the thing that really fucking aggravated me about that scene is that he goes to see her. He gets all this information, you know, because he goes in there and says, you know, we broke up because you wouldn't sleep with me. And then three minutes later, you slept with this other dude. And she explains that this was basically, I mean, by our standards, a rape. And he's stoked about it 
because she was raped essentially like oh you weren't into that guy and I did dump you everything's great now and then he just yes. the next like and that's the thing is like insane I super like I get his state of mind like I I do I've been through some really rough breakups I've been through a divorce like I get that horrific like you become a terrible person you look for patterns that aren't there. You project anger toward everything. And you want everybody who's ever hurt your heart to, like, suffer. But, like, you're not... So, but that's why you don't go on the ex-girlfriend tour. Right. <laughs> because you are... Because it's the fucking worst thing you can do. And, and yeah. every single time he found a reason why, like, oh, it wasn't really... Oh well, there was like it was meant to be, so everything is forgiven with the first girl, and then yeah. the the second one was like, well, I broke up with her, and then she didn't even really want to sleep with that guy, and then three and four switch in the movie. By the way, I noticed uh, Charlie isn't number three the first time, but she is right, right, right the second time. So whatever, but then it's the girl that like. He had dated because they were both getting over other people. And then she right. left him for somebody else. And then it was like, it was okay because she her life was a now. mess. Yeah. <laughs> and then like with Charlie, th- and the Charlie one, I like, I liked and disliked at the same time. Because I do like that they had that moment of like that person who you're like so enamored with that you think is so cool and so smart. And like they walk on air and they're so just everything about them is just intoxicating and then like like being removed from that feeling and seeing them again and being like oh wow this person's a complete ass like yeah I like that because that happens I liked it too because I was like I really god it makes me wonder it makes me wonder about a few of my exes that I'm like if I met you now right would I still have like would I still feel bad about the fact that we broke up because there are a couple that, you know, they still, it still stings. But I think if, you know, maybe if I went, if I met them now, maybe I would just be like, oh God, no, go. I had a Fine. guy, weirdest situation ever. We broke up and then, because we were both military. So I ended up stationed with somebody that he was really good friends with. And me and that person uh, started flirting and kind of being interested in each other. And then he went back and asked my ex-boyfriend for like tips on how to date me. It's so weird. Which, oh, God. I know. So he called me and he's like, yeah, it took me a minute to figure out who you were. Because I had not enlisted yet. And he's like, because I know I never dated any women Marines. And this guy's telling me we broke up because I joined the Marines. But like, you know, whatever. This is years removed. But he started trying, like trying to, it was so weird. He's basically trying to research you. No, he was trying to to start something with me again. The first guy. Oh, I see. I see. I while see. his friend was interested in me and while he was married. Like legit being like, hey, if like a woman calls you and asks who you are, like say that you were letting this other guy use your phone. And like all the I'm like, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not interested in you anymore. It's been years. Yeah. And and, like, there's something really weird going on where you're, like, telling your friend how to, like, get in my pants or something. And now also, so that was a big wake-up call. That's a hot mess. But unbeknownst to him, I had actually seen him 
visiting home, seen him in public once before all this happened and was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad I got out when I got out. <laughs> like he broke up with me, but whew, he did me a favor. Yeah. 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 That's a nice sensation. So, I mean, I, un- I understand that's what they're trying to get at in this movie, but it's still like, uh, no. But yeah, but it's like, again, it's the context, right? Is like, well, there's something yes. wrong with all of them and none of it is your fault, Rob. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, and again, that she told him flat out that she didn't want to do that. And if that's what he was there for, no. And then he did it mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Totally. And there's a lot of that. But again, but that's like, there's this very weird thing where nobody has any boundaries in this movie. And what I really wanted, I wrote this down too. It's like what I really would have liked to have happened now that I've gone through all these different relationships with the movie is like for the movie to change in the middle and it becomes about like him having more chance encounters with Marie de Saul as he improves himself and them ending up together. Yeah, that would have been better. Dude, that would have been so much better. Because Maria LaSalle, like, they go to the show, they meet her, she comes to the record store, they hook up, uh, and then she disappears because they're both getting over other people. Um, and she basically says, you know, I believe that sex is a human right, and even if we're both hurting about other people right now, we should still hook up. Um, but then she's just not... Yeah, that seems... that You know what? That would have been much better. It would have been much better. You know, what's even weirder is it would have been a more traditional romantic comedy. It would have. It would have. But I think it would have been better. And I think it would have had like a even a stronger message because the message of this one seems to be like, we all end up settling in the end, don't we? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is like, no. And it's like, okay, like, this, these people have drifted apart. He's still super into music. She's kind of, you know, Laura's drifted out of that. So Maria LaSalle would be a great uh partner because that's her world too oh well there we go we've just solved all of high fidelity's problems <laughs> with it right because he was trying to improve himself he was getting there yeah yeah and if they could have like met you know it's it could have happened i feel like it would have been better and because there's that point in the movie where he and laura sit down and she's looking at his top five list of dream dream jobs four of them are literally impossible because it's like in a specific time period yeah right and then one is architect and he admits like no i don't really want to be an architect and so she's like well what about record store owner and he's like yeah so like he's like yeah this is actually you're right i am working my dream job and then he finds a way to like expand on that and and yet we're supposed to believe that her like meddling with that behind his back is a good thing because she's just trying to help him grow up or something it's so weird yeah because she tells him don't you understand what a big deal this is that you're actually doing something but then like as she keeps talking she's she's like negging him it's like well of course I had to do this and throw this party because one we have to celebrate you actually getting off your ass and two if I didn't push you then nothing would ever happen Rob but in all fairness in all fairness the only thing that has pushed him to try and improve himself is the fact that she left him. So now she's back there. I can see how you would have to give him a bit of a kick up the ass because, you know, it, it's a comfortable situation. You're back. You've fallen back into they, He could fall back into old habits. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. 
I think it's worse in a lot of ways, though, because she could have talked, like, because it's reinforcing the really, like, toxic crap about their relationship, right? It's not talking to him and being like, I think it's so cool that you decided to start a record label and, like, do local music and, you know, don't, like, because he says the last time he remembers being really happy was when he was a DJ. Like, there's all these things that if they had talked about it. Yeah. They could have done, like, they could have done a cool thing together. Like, let's use your professionalism and your experience and your organizational skills and my knowledge of what we're actually fucking doing and, like, create this together. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. But instead, it's back to, like, really toxic behavior where she's just like, I'm going to do it all for you because you can't be trusted to do it yourself and you're not that great anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Like... And I told you I wanted you to grow up, but I really think that you should go back to doing the exact thing you were doing when we met all these years ago. This is a really sad movie. <laughs> it is. This, what, this is the more what I'm saying. The more I'm like, this is a really, really sad movie. It's so sad. And we haven't even gotten into some of the more problematic aspects because you it just have, like, you have to appreciate how... Like, it's so heartbreaking. I mean, there's, there's, we're supposed to, again, this is one of those things when we did City of Angels, we were like, oh, we're supposed to be doing romantic comedies and there's not much comedy in this. There's like three or four funny things in High Fidelity, but for a two-hour movie, that's not enough funny things. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, I don't know, I have a weird relationship with Nick Hornby anyway, because, like, I don't really like reading about grown-ass men in Arrested Development. Um who, you know, managed to get into their late 30s and then go like, oh, I'm supposed to have responsibilities like literally everyone else in the world. Yeah. But for some reason, when I do read Nick Hornby novels, I enjoy them, even though that's exactly what they are. I know. I know. And I completely agree with you. Like, in theory, I should hate his work. And I really, really don't. I The Long Way Down, I thought was brilliant. I plowed through it. And and I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book about a boy. Like, that crushed me. Yeah. It was so good. About a boy's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed High Fidelity when I read it too. So, like, but it is, it does make a lot of excuses for man babies. But I, I think it does and it doesn't. Because Rob is never treated. No, but it's basically, there's an acknowledgement of, like, we know we're unsufferable, but we just kind of can't help it. It's one of those. It's like, we know we're in it. I'm an a- Like, repeatedly in this movie, Rob says, uh, fine, I'm an asshole. And then immediately, immediately, three seconds later, goes, but this is why. And makes excuses. Well, and but I think that, and it's been a really long time since I've read the book, so I can't say that Me this too. happens in the book. Me too. But I think on this viewing of the movie, I kind of caught more of where it is self-aware and it's making a point of how crappy this stuff is versus just oh yeah right so like there's a there's one time where he says all the all the things that could be why their friend Liz comes and calls him an asshole and one of them is when she tells him that she had the abortion he like throws a fit about it and he acknowledges like that he was totally wrong and it was the self-righteous misguided bullshit yeah right and like and he keeps moving but I think that when you compare where he's like 
he's like casually throwing out these things he's done wrong and acknowledging that they're wrong and then moving forward that that is more related to like that super weird conversation between him and dick where dick's like oh i heard that you guys broke up and it's just like like they're having the hardest time having this conversation because there are emotions involved right and i think on this viewing of the movie i'm like oh th- like when he's doing that like you're not supposed to take away necessarily that he doesn't feel bad but that he is not going to touch that emotion at all which is not right. good either oh, yeah. but it's so common that it's hard to like hold it against yes. him specifically and again very british well yes so you and know. my and my guy like my experience romantically for the last t- t- really long time I'm not going to say it out loud <laughs> has been with a british guy so I don't yeah. know I feel like it's totally normal maybe it is just british but also we do know like the whole like just because they're nerdy guys doesn't mean that, that toxic masculinity doesn't affect them like we see it right happening and, like, you can identify a lot of the things that Dick and Barry and Rob do as things that other guys in any city in America would do. Okay, well, here's the thing, though. There is a line in this movie that isn't put in there for self-aware reasons and um, really, really makes me furious. And this is something that you'll have heard, I've certainly heard it, um, dudes get broken up with and they immediately go, well, I never beat her or anything, so what's the problem? Yes! Right? There's this, this super low yes! bar of, if I didn't call you this and if I, if I, and if I didn't hit you, like, what could possibly be the problem? Like, you do know that, like, in order to be nice to us, you have to do something other than not be abusive. Like, that is, are you kidding? Like, people get dumped for, it's just insane. But there's a line in this where Rob loses his temper with Laura and says, did I beat you? Did I tell yeah. you you were a bad person? Like, he, because he just can't believe that she's leaving him. And I was yeah. like, that was thrown in there in a way that's supposed to be, we're not supposed to disagree with him. But I, like, when that happened, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe somebody put that in a movie. Like, it's my most hated thing in the world i don't know if it was i mean i don't know if it was put in there like we're supposed to agree with them because i have a hard time honestly like picking apart what justifications and like opinions rob throws out about romance that are supposed to be self-aware and what aren't like that's a good point from the movie's perspective not from his perspective but yeah i wrote that down too where i was like that's that's not I mean, of course you didn't fucking beat her. <laughs> like, yeah, it made me it made me really right? angry. And then, uh, you know, he's Laura leaves Rob for um this Ian guy. She doesn't cheat. She hasn't slept with him. We find out that she doesn't sleep with him until after they've broken up. Um but after they have had sex, after the relationship with Rob is already over, they have a conversation and she says well, she's Laura says to Rob, "Well, we can meet for a drink, um, so we can talk about the sex I just had with my new boyfriend because yes. I owe you that much." And I was like, "She says that when she says I owe you that. that much." That was the thing, thing that threw me off. I was like, "What? Nobody believes it." But here's she's like, "Here's the other problem I, I owe have, you that though. much." No, you don't. Jesus, is that is presented as being like really um, pious of her? 
that that she says she she became interested in Ian and they were already having a shitty time in the relationship so she left and she treated it as a normal relationship waited to sleep with him blah 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 and like Rob is worse because Rob cheated but to me I'm like you guys both basically did the same thing because you were checked out yeah and like Rob cheated and then told you about it and you faced with temptation were like actually this is what I've been waiting for all along this is my ticket out and like which one is worse emotional cheating emotional cheating is a real thing yeah it's it's totally a real thing and um it seems like because initially I was like why because she she says to Laura says to Robert at one point you know things went further with Ian than they should have and it just seemed like a good time to leave since we were already having a bad time and then she said, we never slept together. And mm. I was like, how can things go further than they should have? And then I started thinking about a guy that I used to have. Um, a very, he had a girlfriend and he was very much emotionally cheating on that girlfriend with me, like 100% yeah. at every opportunity. So then I was like, oh yeah, no, that stuff is, is really scary. And I think like in the scheme of things, like given the choice, do you want someone who is unhappy cheats and then comes clean or do you want someone who is unhappy sees temptation and then just like bye <laughs> like which one is worse i'm not saying that one is better or worse but in the scheme of things like it's really it's a hard measure to make about which one is worse uh yeah it is and you know what just popped into my head a line from a Beyonce song where she's like, "What's worse, looking jealous or crazy?" Because <laughs> I'm like, I know that sensation too. That's yeah. Um, I want to go to one thing about Ian. Well, because you brought it up, uh, brought him <clears throat> up. Um, I have this thing, and I I feel like it's universal, but maybe it's not. Where if I find someone attractive, and then I see who they are attracted to, like who they're dating or whatever, and that person is like whoa, I'm less attracted to that person, right? Oh. <laughs> so okay. I'm like, oh, is that what you go for? Wow, you're not as attractive as I thought. Like, it just kills something in me. I don't know how he could ever be with Laura again after she was with Ian. Yeah. That's I just true. don't understand it. That is true. That is true. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um. Yeah, he's insufferable. I mean, Rob is insufferable, but Ian is even more insufferable for completely different reasons. And in fact, one of my favorite scenes in this is a fantasy that Rob is having about oh, confronting yeah. Ian. And Dick, <laughs> the quietest, meekest person in the world, like smashes uh, Ian in the face with a phone. And that yeah. scene is hilarious, like genuinely it is. really funny. And there's not much and to laugh at in this movie, but that was... And a tooth flies out, bits. which like, yes. I don't know why, but that... When his tooth flies out, I was like, oh my god. (laughs) Oh, here's, I, this is going, like, way back, because we're getting close on time, so, like, fit everything in, right? Yeah. Uh, When he's screaming at Charlie's window after she dumps him, and he's like, Charlie, you fucking bitch, let's work this out. Yeah. And I love that line, um, because, for two reasons. One, because, oh my god, that's such, like, like, every... Every woman in the world has experienced some guy flipping Mm -hmm. like that. Usually it's the other way around. Like, usually it's like, I've been emotionally vulnerable with you and you didn't return it the way I wanted. So fuck you, you fucking bitch. Will you go out with me? No, you're fat. Yeah, it's that vibe. (laughs) 
Right. But two, because I think it's like, actually, how like almost everybody feels in, in, in a breakup where they are the one being rejected. Most people are decent enough people not to say it out loud, but like in internally, you're like, oh my God, I hate you. Like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And then, but also like, totally, but please totally. take me back. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um. Okay. So we see, it, there's a couple of scenes here where it's Rob in the rain outside his ex-girlfriend's apartment, screaming up to windows. And there is like, okay, you still, there's doing it once in college with Charlie, but doing it now in your, how old are they supposed to be? 30s? Yeah, I think so. It it seems like early to mid 30s to me. Why would you leave your dry apartment, go down to her apartment um, and stand outside on the payphone for an hour getting soaked for no reason? The man's a masochist. I'm going to tell you why, though. It's humiliating. I like both of those scenes. And <laughs> unless this also happens in the book, the reason why is because it's John Cusack. It was like a fucking, um, a, like it was just like cutting two or three frames out of say anything and smacking them in the middle of high fidelity where he's yeah but the, the thing is the it's, it's cute when you're a teenage boy it's not so and you've got a boombox and peter right. gabriel it's not so cute when you're standing in the rain in your mid-30s like nagging someone no no no. there's a there's a telephone booth in the rain scene and say anything oh there. like it's that exact scene oh my god yeah i don't remember that so i think that's why it's in there i i don't even know i don't think he's calling her but huh. it's like when he's driving around and he hangs out with the skaters and he's like tells the story, I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. And I think who he's calling is actually his sister or somebody, but he is in the rain in a telephone booth being sad. Talking of mopey. his sister, Joan Cusack is the best thing in this movie and she's only in it for like five minutes. I love it when... So at first she's like, I really want you guys to get back together. Then she comes to him and she's like, you asshole. Yeah. And then later she comes back and she's like, why do you even want her back? Yeah. And I'm like, yes to all of this. Liz is the only sane person in this movie. She's the best. <laughs> like, she's the best. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there at that point going, exactly. Why, is it, why aren't more people asking him this? So, I mean, all right, here's how I feel. I, I actually, going back into this, because, you know, you read things all the time about how, like, this is super problematic now. There's, you know, the stuff at the beginning where he's he's talking about desperately trying to grope girls' breasts when he's making out with them in his teens, and, and all of the boys are doing the same thing. And, and from, you know, 2018's perspective, you're like, wait, are you, is the, is the main character in this movie advocating for sexual assault but I think again it's one of those things when I rewatched, it I was expecting to be horrified by this but I was like no this is super self-aware about how fucked up that is it's conscious of how fucked up that is yeah so I, I think it's a it's weird because Rob is not always self-aware no. but the movie is always that's true self-aware it's it, so it's 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 a hard read sometimes, but 
It is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just summed that up really well. I would have struggled to articulate that. But yeah, you're right. Um, so it wasn't like going back to it. I was expecting to have more of those jaw-dropping moments than there actually were. And I did find more in here to like than I thought I would. Just little things. I mean, it is ultimately an incredibly depressing movie about two people settling for each other because they just can't be bothered to do anything else, which is, I mean, that's not romantic at all. Like, I'm not, I didn't get any romantic feels from watching this. It was just like, yeah, it's like the most gritty, realistic, romantic movie ever in that it's really not romantic. It's just practical people being practical and I, I don't even feel like it's practical because like I said like their relationship is toxic like eventually it's and and like I said like when she take kind of takes over his CD release party um, it feels like it's just going to be toxic still like they don't work anything out well when right? I say yeah but when I say practical I mean she, she just wants to go home. She's basically, she's left his apartment, moved in with Ian, which is supposed to be a temporary arrangement. She doesn't want to go home to Ian after her father's funeral, so she goes home with Rob. Like, that is, like, that's a practical decision. Can we talk about that for a second, though? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, go in there and be with your mother, and she's like, totally. oh, no, I don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Like, there's a lot of awful people Jesus. in this movie. Like, <laughs> except for Liz. Liz is the champ. But this is what I think is like, eventually everyone around them is going to be like, I don't want to hear another word about your crappy relationship. I don't want to hear another word about how Rob said this or Liz di or uh, Laura did that or whatever. Either break up or shut up. Yeah. Right? Like, don't you? Like, I have people in my life where I'm like, if I have to listen to you complain any longer i am going to cut you out of my life because you could leave yeah and i feel like that's what's going to happen here like if you view it into the future everyone's just going to hate both of them <sighs> well i don't know because at the beginning he does well not it's not even at, even at the beginning he just says at some point you know, our relationship was never spectacular, but it was good. Like when we were at our best, it was like good. It was comfortable. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Like I've had very passionate relationships that have been super destructive because there's too much, it's too much spectacular going on. Like sometimes you just want the comfortable. And um, I like the fact that that was touched on in this movie. Like it's comfortable. It's good. I do like that. I, I feel like it just, it sucked in this movie because yes, in the long term and the per like in the person you're going to spend your life with, you need being able to be comfortable, being able to just chill more than you need like crazy passion. But like, how long is that comfort going to last in this relationship that's toxic in every other way? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's not... They want that comfortable thing, but when they're saying comfortable, what they really mean is like familiar. I'm too yeah, familiar, which is different. It is different because familiar can be familiar bad. is just I know this. So it doesn't always have to be right. you know. It's the comfortable. So okay, you've Ugh. had several phases with this movie. How do you feel now about it? Where are you with it now? Is this something that you? I felt better about it before we talked about it for an hour. <laughs> 
I think I did too. No, so the <laughs> this is going to be a point in this podcast where you hear the penny drop. Like you said something, and I was like, God, this movie is so depressing. Um, I know. So, but that was it. Is the at the end of the viewing this time when I realized, oh, this movie totally. So what happened a couple of years ago when I realized, like, wow, Rob is an asshole, but so is Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that Because that's what I missed all uh, on all the previous viewings. It's like, I was so focused on his journey that I f- forgot to notice all the terrible things that she did. And also that she never had a journey. Like, she didn't improve in any way. So Rob's starting to improve. And she's just like, I'll take you back, I guess. Um, and it made me so mad. Because... Like, probably he's just not, like, his improvement is going to go back, backwards, right? Like, I don't know. And so I was, like, mad about it. I was mad. I felt duped. Like, Mm. both of these people are terrible. They're terrible to each other. Like, she is being controlling, and he's just accepting it because he wants her back so, so bad. And I was so mad. And then this viewing is where I was like, oh, no, this movie knows all of those things. Yeah. But... But then after talking about it for an hour, I'm like, does it matter that it knows all these things? It's still so sad. It is sad. It's grim. <laughs> it is grim. Um, it's the saddest mm. happy ending I've ever witnessed in my life. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Those are usually the endings I like. See, I'm not, I, I don't know. I like, um, I'm like, I don't know. I don't like happy endings for the most part, but... For some reason, this unhappy ending just kind of left me like, uh, anything but that, though. Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't he just be with Marie? It's true. <laughs> just bring back Lisa Bonet, the beautiful, beautiful Lisa Bonet, who for some reason puts on a weird accent in this movie, which doesn't make any sense to me, and it kind of bugged me. But anyway, that's by the by. It did bug me. It did. You noticed, um, too. It's really... Yeah. Yeah. I felt like maybe that was intentional, too. Like, is she supposed to be playing a pretentious indie artist? No, I think she's supposed to be playing the coolest girl on earth. I don't think she's supposed to be right. pretentious at all. Uh, but she. But the accent. The accent was really a problem for me. It, yeah. You know, no. it's so funny. I went through the drive-through today, and the guy was using a fake British accent, and I go, "Excuse me," and he said it again. And like, I guess he heard the tone in my voice when I made my order. That he just he just gave up and went straight back to wow. American again. I, I okay. Similarly, and I, let's let's talk about the fact just for, just for a couple minutes that people. This is a thing that men in this country do for some reason. I was at a bar in San Francisco probably about six years ago. I went in for a shot. I was on my own. I sat down. This is like four o'clock in the afternoon. This does not make me look good at all. Uh, So there's like no one in there. There's this one guy and he is talking loudly to the bartender in what is like the worst Dick Van Dyke. (laughs) Oh, poor blimey. Can I have a beer? Kind of like really just like the worst accent in the world. And then, um, you know, projecting it in my direction or something. And the bartender came to my end of the bar and I went, what is he doing? And she was like, oh, he's been doing this all day. He thinks, A, that that's a convincing sound that he's making, and B, he thinks it's going gonna, it's gonna to get him laid. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, um, I am British, so let's, uh, let's go and embarrass him. And I did. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. What was even funnier about this, though, is that because, uh, I don't know if you have 
a lot of experiences but whenever my husband goes through the drive through it's a disaster on an epic level like for some reason I can't do it I can't do it I actually have I have and I have friends in Texas who will vouch for this when I lived in Austin because there's a lot of drive through situations in Austin I had I have such anxiety about it that I literally have to like jump out of the car they go through the drive through I go inside and then I get back in the car because I'm like I can't I cannot put myself through this yes so one time we're like leaving on a road trip and we're going through um jack-in-the-box drive-through and he he makes his order and they're like what kind of drink with that and he says a dr pepper and she goes strawberry fanta <laughs> and he's like what like he's like so he, he's like no <laughs> dr pepper and she's like what <sighs> and so he's like doc Tor pepper <laughs> and she just has a like a breakdown she's like i i can't i can't i don't know and the most I, the most, uh, the most uh, and she's just like <laughs> it's really bad through drive throughs because obviously there's there's the sound quality is never great but one thing that i never had to deal with in either austin or when i lived in new york was going and sitting in a restaurant and asking for water and having them look at you and go what and in San Francisco it happens probably once a week can I have some water please what and I have to then say water can I have water and they go oh water sure and I'm like fuck (laughs) you it's just come on what else would I be asking for the second I sit down you know it's so funny though is that so when when John and I first got together we went to a restaurant one of those restaurants that has like four things on the menu right and only one of those four things was a burger (laughs) <laughs> and he asked for the champion burger. And again, like just pure fucking chaos. Like Baltimore almost descended into riots because he ordered the only thing on the menu that has any of those sounds in it. And this woman just could not. It was just, and he's like, am I speaking? Like, do I sound like I'm speaking German? Like, what it's is going really, on? Really, it's, 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 it's. it's, it's People don't realize it's an issue. Okay, so are we abandoning um, high fidelity now? Is it? Is it? Yeah, we're done. Oh, we're so um, sad. I want to end on a high note. We do have a winner for our giveaway, finally. Oh, good. Um, Jessica Leonard wins by pure volume of comments on the 27 dresses. Episode. Oh, yes. Awesome. She was super into that episode. And flashback friday it's thursday and i don't know what what day this episode's gonna go up on but i was doing a podcast with jessica is how i met ray it's true circle of life but but anybody who thinks that we're playing favorites can go look at the facebook page and see that she's the only person who entered the giveaway because it's true it's (laughs) she had a 100 percent chance of winning yeah yeah (coughs) absolutely people talk to us on facebook more this wouldn't happen um, it's a really cool yeah. kit, and there's like a necklace that has like really beautiful blue flowers and a grenade on it. So come on, people really should have went crazier for that than they did. They should have. People are snoozing. Um, and so what are we doing next week? Next week, I wrote it down. Hold on. Next week we are doing Notting Hill. I was trying to be smooth. <laughs> <laughs> because you wrote it down earlier, I was like, "She's gonna just." She'll totally know. Yeah. This. No, I don't remember anything, She'll... Ray. I feel like you should know this by now. She wrote this thirty minutes ago, <laughs> before we started. 
I'm like, hey, um, do you have the script for the beginning? Do you need me to pull it up for you? And you're like, no, I mean, clearly I'm prepared. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not. Um, Notting Hill, which I haven't seen. Well, I'm excited to rewatch it for the 50th time. And um, yeah, I'm going to I'm excited to hear what you think about it. I have a hard time with Hugh Grant. So I we'll do see. too. No, I don't think there's anyone on earth who doesn't have a hard time with Hugh Grant. <laughs> but in this movie, you'll see. It's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah, trust me. Cool. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, again, thanks to Shane Parker, 3000.com, Greg the Turtle, for the giveaway that Jessica won. Um we are on Overcast. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. I want to say thanks to uh, Doug and Jessica, who both left uh, star ratings on Apple Podcasts for us. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> <laughs> and um, so I'm like having an allergic reaction to nothing right now. <laughs> um, just started like, oh, my throat's closing up for no reason. Um <laughs> Right, it was definitely over before you die. That's the end of the show. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bye. Really bye. Choke to death now. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs>